Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo, welcome to the bar. Come on and pull up a seat. And open up your Bible, what a wonderful feast The living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets The inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet This where we challenge worldviews that we hear from world news In light of the scripture, we are here to serve you We're your source for resources To help you on your way as you battle mean forces This is for the people who can see the importance Of sound theology and the scripture that support it And this is for the truth lovers Biblically reforming, preaching Christ to the nations Yeah, welcome to the the Reformation, yeah. The Bar, Biblical and Reformed. Welcome everybody to The Bar. It's your boy, Dwayne in the building. Right back in here another Tuesday. Super excited as always to be coming through your speakers, through your earbuds. Wherever you listen to The Bar, we're grateful that you're listening. And I love to start the show off by thanking the listeners every week. I know I say the same thing, but I want to thank you guys for listening in to The Bar. I want to thank you for following us, for retweets, for buying bar gear. It is just awesome. You know, um, at the end of the day, it's all for God's glory. But I definitely want to make sure I, I thank you guys. And I, I really, uh, you guys mo- me motivate me to keep doing this. And I just want to take time to thank you every time I get behind the microphone. And as every week, I bring you an awesome guest. This week is just like the rest of those week. I have on another awesome guest. I have on none other than Pastor John. How are you, sir? Doing well, Dwayne. Thank you again for having me on. I'm very honored. Yes, sir. Uh, like I told you before we started recording, you came highly recommended on Twitter. So I, that's always a good thing. I'm glad that someone's saying good stuff on Twitter. That's great. There you go. <laughs> good deal. <laughs> so um, I'm going to give you the floor. Just kind of introduce yourself. Anything you want to share, whether it's personal or professional, I'm going to give you the floor to do that right here. Right on. Well, thank you again for having me. Um, my name is John Benzinger. I'm currently the pastor uh, the lead pastor at Redeemer Bible Church in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, this is a this is one of those things where I felt the call to ministry um, 18 years before finally stepping into being the lead pastor of the church. So it was many years of uh, faithfulness in other areas, praying, God, did I do the right thing? Did I get all these degrees and spend all this time and money? Uh, in vain, or is this something that you really, um, really wanted me to do? And so a lot of going back and forth in my prayers and in my mind, God, but then, uh, 18 years, which would have been, uh, five, five years ago, almost five years ago now, 
um, when the church here uh, made me the lead pastor. And it's been a pretty incredible ride here. So this is a dying church, a church turned around that God has turned around in, in an incredibly powerful, miraculous way. And so I'm also um, husband to my wife, Katie. We'll be married for eight years coming up this December. And we have three kids, Colin, who's six, Ava, who just turned five yesterday, and Emma, who's one and a half. And so we are not natives of Arizona, born and raised in Southern California, and uh, moved here in 2011. And so it's kind awesome. of the, the, the summary. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty cool. So I have uh, four kids. Uh, your three are kind of close to my, my last two. I have a, uh, a three, well, she's going to be three next month and a five-year-old. And then I got some older kids. I got a 12 and 19. So pray for me uh, as you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So I, I got I got them driving in diapers. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Wow. I'm telling you. So, uh, man, I mean, I really, really want to hear about these 18 years uh, of feeling the call or knowing the call and kind of preparing because you don't hear that much. Most people, you know, they like, you know, I grew up in the charismatic world and, you know, if God told you in a dream and the next day you're a pastor, you know, so, (laughs) so tell me a little bit about the the 18 years. And I mean, it's definitely significant because you repeated that a couple of times. So I know that, that it was something you was dealing with. Tell me a little bit about that process up until uh, where we are today. Yeah. When I'm, uh, God saved me, uh, just out of high school, uh, that summer after graduation. And from, from about 18 at the time, uh, for that five years from 13 to 18, I, uh, wanted to help people with my life. And so I thought I was going to go into the area of psychology and counseling. Mm. So that was the track I was on. So I, I entered junior college because I, I get asked to play football. And so I, I don't want to go to college yet or, or the other schools that, that recruited me. I wasn't really interested in. And so I went to play junior college football and, um, God saved me, uh, two weeks before school started. And, um, so about a year and a half later, I'm getting food. I'm picking up food for my mom and stepdad and my sister and, and, uh, my two sisters picking up food at a KFC drive through in Costa Mesa. California and um I'm in the drive through the pastor I'm listening to on the radio is talking about psychology and it's clear that he's not very hot on it and so I'm listening mm-hmm. a little more closely and he says, you know, it's just one one problem after another, nothing really gets fixed. And then he asks the question, why not give people eternal help? Mm-hmm. And that question hit me like a bolt of lightning. I I'm in the drive-through about to pay and it just, it just, it rocks me. And so wow. I can, I can visually see in my mind leaving that drive-through at, uh, at 20 years old and going, I think I'm going to be a pastor. And so I grew up in the assemblies of God. I grew up at a church that is on the campus of a Christian college. And so it's the only Christian school that I know exists. So I end up enrolling in that school. I end up not going to UCLA uh, for a psychology degree and going to this to what was called Southern California College at the time, 
And there was a teacher there that set every theological foundation for me, the course of, of, of the doctrines of grace. Wow. <clears throat> and inerrancy in particular, his heroes were the reformers, the Princeton theologians, and the Puritans. And so I'm just, I'm I'm just taken by this man, and he he teaches me. I take every class. He teaches me grammatical, historical, hermeneutics. Like he's just he's just solid. And so from there, I'm going to be a pastor. All the guys in school with me, we're all going to be pastors. All these guys were like, "This is the last. This is the last class I'm ever going to take." You know, your last <laughs> class, your last day before graduation. I'm going. I don't know anything about the Bible. There's no way I can stand up in front of people and say, this is the word of God and you need to, you need to believe it. You need to live according to it. I need more schooling. So I go to more schooling and, but I figure like, I see all my friends getting jobs in churches, youth pastor positions, associate pastor positions. And I'm trying, I'm applying for jobs and I'm, I'm in my church and, you know, but it, well, I didn't go to one of those charismatic churches where you got been I didn't go to one of those. And so I'm trying to figure this out and I'm, it fits and starts and stops. And I'm working at a nonprofit that starts camps for abuse kids and churches all across uh, the, the world now called Royal Family Kids Camp. So I'm working there. I'm a custodian at a church. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of things to try to, 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 to stay in school and believe mm-hmm. in the Lord, but it's, it's grad school, it's seminary, and I'm still going, okay, Lord, this was this is now eight years later going, Lord, did I, did I get this wrong? I'm, I'm, I'm leaving seminary and I'm going from the master seminary and I'm going, God, did I get this wrong? Like I'm applying for job after job. And so eventually I stopped applying for pastor jobs and I'm applying for uh, admissions counselor, solar panel installer, security guard. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting anything. Like I, wow. I'm not getting any job. Uh, it doesn't matter what I apply for. It doesn't what matter what my credentials are. Like I don't get anything. And so then I, I finally start at a church in South Orange County. I get my dream job as a as a college pastor. And so I'm loving that. But in my head, I'm going, okay, Lord, I know this isn't the end. I know you want me to be a lead pastor. At least that's what I believe. Had a fruitful ministry there. God brings me out here to Arizona to teach at a Christian high school. And I'm still going, okay, Lord, now we're, we're, we're pushing 15 years. And I'm going, mm. did I get this wrong? <laughs> did I get this wrong? I mean, and so I'm, so I've, I've done, I've delivered pizzas. I've done so many things during that, that period of time. To, to try and, and all of that going, Lord, I, I'm, I'm staying faithful. That's what I'm supposed to do. But did I get this wrong? Mm-hmm. And I think in, in all honesty there, I don't know that my heart would have been ready right. for the kind of miraculous growth that's happened at this church and the kind of story that this church has taken. I'm not sure that my heart would have been ready for this if I hadn't gone through those times of doubt. Um, I mean, when I was a custodian at Grace Community in seminary, I thought I was going to be there for, you know, a couple of months. I ended up being there for four years, applying for over 100 jobs, not getting any of them. So wow. it's like, okay, I guess the Lord wants me to clean toilets and vacuum rooms. And, you know, I guess he just wants me to serve, not knowing that I learned more 
about the heart of a pastor by being a custodian than I ever mm-hmm. did in seminary. Wow. So that's the, the short story about those 18 years of waiting until finally coming here and the Lord making me believe here. Wow, wow, wow. Man, that you said a lot there. And especially the last part, man, about having the heart of a pastor, getting, gaining the heart of a pastor by being a custodian. Um, I remember, I can't remember who said it. Someone was saying, you know, everybody wants to be a shepherd until you got, until you got to deal with, uh, sheep done, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And when Jesus says that the greatest among you will be the servant and the first will be the last and I came as one not to be served, but to serve mm-hmm. and to give my life as a ransom. Like you, when you are a custodian, you, nobody respects you. Nobody lives to bless you. Nobody looks at you and is like, how can I be a blessing to you? Except for the, except for the ladies in ministries who cook and are like, Hey, you can have all our leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> you, you exist to serve the body and right. the pastor doesn't have that mindset. And they're going to look at their congregation as a means to their end Mm. and a means to build their platform and not realize that, no, 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 the platform is Jesus and we exist to build his platform and that the people in this church are not a means to our end. We are a means to their end, which is salvation and sanctification. And you don't, you don't, you don't see that when you become a professional because you have all these degrees and you have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of this background and you have all this knowledge and people come to you and they call you pastor and all that stuff. And it's like, no, none of that, none of that matters. You're at the bottom of the pyramid, not the top. The pyramid's upside down and you're at the bottom and you exist to serve your staff. You exist to serve the other pastors with you. You exist to serve the members. You exist to serve the larger congregation. You exist. That's why you are in your position to be a servant. And so mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think you learn that in seminary. I think you learn that. I learned that by being a custodian, God forcing me not to be able to leave that job, which I so much wanted to leave. <laughs> and, you know, and so, so yeah, so I think I, I learned a lot about the day to day heart and life of the pastor by being custodian in that way. Wow. That man, that is so. So good, uh, and so true. And, and it's sad, man, um, because I'm thinking about 18 years and then I'm thinking about, you know, being a custodian. Uh, it, it really, it just, I just got a, the image of just being polished, man. God just, you know, preparing you for this. And the reason why that sticks out to me so much is because we are, we are in a generation where they, everybody wants the microwave process. Uh, we want to, Post, you know, fancy, uh, fancy graphics. Oh, uh, church plant, you know, we want to put it out there and then we want to blow up. We want our names to blow up and we want, you know, got a podcast and now we're doing this, you know, and, and just to see your journey and how uh, God allowed you to, to be in those places to, like you said, to get your heart right for what's about to happen. And, and I, and I think that he was able to trust you with that after, you know, he, he, he lets you go through that stuff. That, that speaks virus to me. That is amazing. Um, so let's, let's, let's switch it up. So we talked about getting here at 18 years because that was one of the things that a lot of people, uh, what well, a few people that reached out to me on Twitter talked about was, uh, the church that you're in and the amazing things that God is doing with that congregation. Tell me about 
when you uh, got there, because uh, uh, I'm assuming you said you took over a church that was a dying church. Tell me about that process, getting there, and then some of the things that started happening to to cause this 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 growth. Yeah. So the the brief story is, I um I arrived here as the interim pastor in August of uh, 2014, and it was clear that the church was dying. And mm-hmm. when I went back and looked at the records, my first Sunday, there were 193 people. When I went back and looked at the records, the height on one Christmas Eve was 400 people. And so by the time I got here, the church had already lost about half the, half the people. And when you get to a church where half the people have left, the, typically the people that leave first are your kind of your high level leaders who mm-hmm. do a lot. They see what's going on and yep. they try to change things. And when they don't change, they leave. And, by the time when you lose half the congregation, you also lose kind of those second tier of leaders as well. And so when I got here, um, there's a congregation that was warm and friendly, but it was mostly uh, people that were um, were not leaders that mm-hmm. were here who who enjoyed what was taking place. It was their it was their church, you know. But as far as like advancing things, moving things, uh, that that wasn't that wasn't on their radar at all. Uh, they liked, they, it was very inward focused. That was the first thing that was clear to me. My first Sunday as not even as the, the interim yet, but when my candidating Sundays, I remember I came to, uh, to the eight o'clock service and there were some people in the lobby and a young man walked in and they were 50 years older than him at least. And uh, they they approached him at the door and said, you probably don't want to stay for this service because it's mm. really not for you. And so you're going to want to come back at 11. <laughs> he did wow. not come back at 11. <laughs> um, so it was, it was like that. It was inward focused. When I asked them the last time they did a baptism, they weren't, they, they couldn't tell me. And it was a Baptist church. So they mm. also lost the mission. It was a church that, voted on the budget and they had not funded the budget at all by the time I got here. So the budget was about $75,000 under budget, but the congregation had voted to support it. So you could see some, and then there were two services, one at eight, one at 11. They were two completely different services. There's really two churches meeting on the same property Mm. and uh, didn't really like each other, didn't really trust each other. And so there was, there was tension there as well. So it didn't, didn't take a rocket scientist to see that the church was dying. And so by when they, when they, when they asked me and vote on me to be the lead pastor in March of 15, uh, I, I'd done such a good job growing the church from 193 to 90 over that eight month period. And so the church had, had, had lost over, over 50% of the people in that time. And the church was like, you're doing such a good job, John. We want to make you the lead pastor. <laughs> so not quite sure, not quite sure what they saw at that point. But, um, from that point, from about, from March of 15, when we bottomed out at 90 people until this past Sunday. So that is, um, four and a half years. Um, we've gone from 90 to over 900 mm. uh, in, in that amount of time. And when people hear that, 
especially in the circles that I run in, that's not, there, there's nothing great about that. The numbers don't mean anything. And that's true. They, they don't. Jesus had a handful of followers at the end of his ministry and he had the most successful ministry in the history of the universe. And so like, so obviously numbers don't mean success. However, when it comes to what's happening here, we're not, um, we're not doing anything that the, the marketers and the business technique people tell you to do when it comes to a growing church. We're doing the exact opposite. We're preaching through books of the Bible. We're doing it pretty slowly. Um, well, so it's, so we have, a, we have things that are great. Our kids ministry, our music, all those things are great. But when it comes to what is it that really fuels what we do, it's the exposition of the word and when you when you do things by the book and when you put all your hope in the preaching of the word and the church grows it's really humbling because you recognize like this isn't because of me god did all of this and that was my one of my main concerns at the beginning was that we would be able to look at a turnaround if god chose to turn this church around could we look at it and say this is something that god has done I fear standing before the Lord and him saying to me, John, I had nothing to do with that turnaround. I had nothing to do with that. You did that all on your own. Uh, I wasn't even a part of that. And so when you when so we've tried to say everything we're going to be we're going to do is going to be done by the book. One of our values is the Bible determines everything. It's mm. just to try a restatement of Sola Scriptura. Um, and it starts in the pulpit. That we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna teach the Bible, but then we're we're gonna do it in a way that's not like nobody's coming to church on Sunday going tell me about the Jebusite. I'm really interested. In, uh, <laughs> I'm really interested in historical background. No, people come to church, I believe, with a desire to know God better and to live their lives more for Christ. And they mm-hmm. need help and how to live the Christian life, and so it's not just so when people ask me, I don't, I don't typically say I teach the Bible. I typically say something like, I teach people how to live the Christian life using the Bible as my only authority. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's very, I, I, I preach in a way that where application is kind of obvious, mm-hmm. but in a way where people can, they say, I understand the text better. I understand how that text expects me to live. And isn't Jesus awesome? Because I believe the more that I can, the more I can encourage people to see how wonderful Jesus is, the more they will want to live for him. So it's kind of a quick summary of, of what's happened here at this church. Wow. 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 That's awesome. Awesome to hear. And I, I like the approach, um, you know, just, just, you know, teaching people to live using the Bible. Um, and, and I think that, that's another thing that kind of get lost sometimes in the quote unquote reform camps uh, is, you know, clear application, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And and that, that definitely speaks volumes to me. And then I love how you threw in there, how you guys didn't use the, the marketing strategies and the, <laughs> the, the, the Facebook uh, paid posts and all of that. that that's, that's so beautiful. Uh, because, you know, I, I see it all the time, you know, guys are those kind of, uh, uh, I call them schemes, uh, to try to build, uh, but you guys just, you know, just stay faithful. 
Um, so as far as the community, I know you talked about, you know, being under budget. Uh, what were some of the things that you implemented that uh, for the community or was it all inward? I mean, I know you said that most of the people were, you know, inward thinking. What were some of the things you might have implemented that uh, took it outside of the, the church walls? Yeah, so the first five months of that August to December of 2014 was working with the elders, uh, believing that um, you, you can't move forward until you know where you are. And so we spent a lot of time in prayer. Twice a week, we would pray together as an elder team. And then once a month, it would be, uh, we, we, would, we would meet for a Saturday business meeting and we'd pray there too. So once, one week a month, we're praying three times a week for the church. Every other, every, all other weeks we're praying, uh, twice a week. So prayer became the first thing. Again, I, we don't want this to, it's, it's Moses. If you don't go with me, I don't want to go. And if you don't, if you're not going to turn this around, if you're not going to do this, we're not interested. And so I needed to, I needed to implement that right off the bat that we are going to pray. Business meetings start with prayer. Elders meetings start, everything starts with prayer. And so then it was, okay, where are we? I know what your website says, mm. uh, your mission is, but you're clearly accomplishing that. And so let's find out what your actual mission is. And through a series of conversation and little workshops that we did, the elders realized that their, um, their mission was to make the members comfortable and happy. Mm. And that, that when, when they realized that, it was clear that, before any kind of turnaround could happen, repentance needed to happen. Mm. It's not sinful. Mm-hmm. And so church turnaround, I believe, starts with repentance. And so they had to recognize, wait a minute, we're off here. We're wrong. And we've been wrong for a long time. And we've been scared of the members. We've been scared of doing what we believe the Lord wants us to do. And we need to we need to change that. And so once they could recognize that, then we could go, okay, where do you believe this church wants? Where do you believe God wants you to take this church? Because I said, you guys are waiting for a pastor to tell you that. I said, but I believe you guys are the pastors. So you need to ask the question, what kind of church do you believe God wants you to have? And then you need to find a man who's going to help you do that. Rather than, hey, we just need to find the guy that we think is the best. And then, hey, you tell us where we need to go. Mm-hmm. You, know, you guys are the pastors here. You need to answer that question. And I, as we came through the end of that, they, they, they decided that we want two, two main ideas which have kind of morphed since then. But at the very beginning, we want to be a church that makes disciples and loves our valley. They recognized that they had become inward focused and they needed to become outward focused. And so loving our valley became a byline in those first couple of years where we're going to do things that love our valley. And so we, we tried all kinds of things to love our valley. So we did, we did these Easter egg hunts we've done. We did, um, we, so one of the things is we targeted some nonprofits in our area that we really believed were doing good work. And so we said, look, we're a church turnaround of about a hundred people. But so to a food bank uh, north of us, we said, hey, could we, could we help do a food drive for your food bank? And so we rallied our, our church to, to stock the food bank. And that food bank was completely blown away. They, I mean, they needed to bring three trucks out here, three wow. U-Balls to fill their, 
fill it up. And we're a church of, at that time, 120, 130 people <clears throat> blown away. So we did that for a couple of years. We did uh, baby showers for a local crisis pregnancy center where we said, hey, we want to stock your, 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 your shelves. We want to help you do that. And so we're going to do a we're going to do that just to try to help people think like outward, like we mm-hmm. exist to be a blessing to, to not us to, and, and it's not like, okay, we're going to send money to other countries. Like, like there are people lost and going to hell in our community. Right. And so we need to, we need to think about that. The other thing I started doing was teaching through the book of Mark. There's no one, there's no one more outward focused than Jesus. He, he left, he left heaven to come here because he was outward focused. And so I needed to put before the congregation on a weekly basis, who is Jesus? What did he say? What did he do? How do we we receive the benefits of what he said and what we did? And how do we live in light of what he said and what we did? They, I believe the church had lost its way and they needed to be brought back to the core of Christianity, which is, which is Christ. And so those those are some of the main ways that we did it. Yeah, there were these these things that we pushed them to. We also implemented small groups at that time that we called growth groups. We, we said we want you to grow in in your love for Christ. We want you to grow in your knowledge of the Bible. We want you to grow in your 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 relationships here. And we actually want you to to use these groups to grow in your um. And, and, and evangelism. And so we're going to encourage you to take stock in each of your groups on, on what are your passions, what are your abilities, what are your skills. Put those together and think, okay, how could we, how could we as a group, bless somebody? So we found, so one group, for instance, found that there were like three or four teachers in that group. And so they, they partnered with a, um, a local what would you call it a, 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 a like a group home kids who okay. are in the foster care system partnered with them to do tutoring once a week and so they went into that group home they had a connection there went into that group home and tutored kids uh, as a group together you know and so another group said hey we've got a lot of people that are that are into charities and into serving and so they they every Every um, every year, they go to one of the food banks and they help there. We had another group that said, hey, we know a, a group here in the Valley that, that puts boxes together for people with AIDS that, to help them in their recovery, to help them in their um, in, in, with meals and, and things like that. So we're going to go help that ministry. So we just tried to push them out in the community to adorn the gospel. You know, to, to put, to put feet and flesh, but also to, to make, uh, to not make Christ look good, but to help people see how good our Savior look, is already through their good works out in the community. And, uh, and, and the Lord pushed us in ways, through some providential ways that we're, we're, we're just like, okay, this is the Lord bringing this opportunity to us and seeing the whole church rally to bless complete strangers in our community and then God using that to see people get saved, to see, to see fruit from that. And so those are some of the very early things that we did to get the church looking outward. Awesome. I love all of that, man. I really do. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. So right here, man, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right Whoa. 
What's up, everybody? I'm John. And I am Joe. And we are the hosts of the Pastor Discussions Podcast. And we like to call it your weekly conversation on doctrine, faith, and the Christian life. Because that's exactly what it is. And because you're listening to this commercial, you have already found some bar podcasts, and we are part of the Bar Podcast Network. And new episodes of our shows drop every Monday, so we invite you to check them out. We're just a couple of rural pastors that sit down and have discussions about different topics and work through things together. And we want you to come join us in the discussion. You can find out more by visiting pastordiscussions.com or subscribe on Stitcher or iTunes. <laughs> it's good. Um, I can, I can edit this. I can edit this. All right. We're back in here with my good new friend, Pastor John. Uh, definitely grateful you taking uh, time out of your schedule to come on my show. I know you've thanked me a couple times. I definitely want to thank you. Um, it is the holiday season, and I appreciate you uh, making it work and coming on the show. And what we like to do right here, Pastor John, is we do what we call the bar signature questions. These are three questions I ask all of my guests. Um, you're good friends with Costi. He's at, he's answered these questions. I think I only did him once because he's been on here a lot of times. So, uh, these are all the same questions. Uh, I consider them to be pretty unique. Um, and so the first signature bar question is, what kind of music do you listen to? Well, I, I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. Um, right now I mostly listen to music when I'm studying. And so growing up, I listened to a lot of hip hop before I was saved. And so a lot of West Coast, not East Coast. And so <laughs> NWA, I won't hold that against you. West Coast, <laughs> all that stuff. And so I, um, got, obviously I got saved. And then, I mean, I, I mean, the night I got saved, I get into my car, I start listening to the radio and it's like, Oh, wait a minute. Like this doesn't feel right anymore. Mm-hmm. So now what I listen to is uh, hip hop without words. And so I'm listening to that kind of music when I'm studying or I'm listening to classical music when I'm studying. Other than that, I have a wide range to everything from 80s, uh, uh, new romantic, like Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, 90s music, um, a whole plethora of 90s music, all kinds of things. And so it's, it's, it's a wider range, but there's absolutely no country music in what I listen to. (laughs) Absolutely zero country. So I got you, man. All right. Next signature bar question is what book or books are you currently reading? Well, unfortunately, none of that's really exciting because I'm in the the doctoral program at the master seminary. (laughs) So all my books right now are preaching Old Testament narrative, um, Old Testament law, Old Testament prophets, things like that. So it's, I just, I just finished a book by um, Sidney Gradanis called Preaching the Old Testament. Uh, before that, a uh, book by uh, Dale Ralph Davis on Preaching the Old So unfortunately, I'm, that, that's what I'm reading the most of these days is, is books on Preaching the Old Testament and, uh, and hermeneutics. Gotcha. See, that's boring to me, but that might not be boring to a lot of my listeners, man. They might be all about it. So we, we'll take it. Right on. <laughs> All right, last signature bar question is, what podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any? Yeah, so I um, I got really into the um, the Russia conspiracy hoax thing with uh, oh. in in um, 
in the news. And so there's a guy named Dan Bongino that I listened to on that. I just became addicted to it, listened to it every day. I got over that uh, about six months ago. And so when it comes to, I see him every once in a while. So I'll listen. Um, some of the other podcasts are like Anchor Bible Church podcasts. Um, I listen to the Expositor podcast by Steve Lawson. I guess that that's kind of like required for the demon program at TMS. You have to listen to that. Nine Marks interviews. I love interviews. I love like what you do. I love it. Love Worth Finding. Um, Adrian Rogers. I love his podcast. Um, just listening to his old sermons. Um, H.B. Charles. I listen to his podcast, Preachers and Preaching. I, I, you know, Tom Rayner on leadership. I listen to a lot of different podcasts. Nice. That's just a, that's just, a, that's just some of them. Okay. Awesome. We'll just add the bar to that list, man. We'll be good to go. I, I will. I will do that for sure. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Good stuff, man. So again, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. I also like to end the show by letting my guests uh, give kind of any words of encouragement, any kind of closing you want to say before we get out of here. Wow. I'm, I wasn't, wasn't ready for that. That's the best uh, ones. Absolutely. Well, you you said you have a lot of uh, a lot of local pastors. You said that listen to your podcast, and I don't I don't presume to be any expert on being a local pastor. I've I mean I've been a pastor at this church. Um, it'll be five years in March of of twenty. So I'm I'm still new at this, still incredibly new at this. But um, I think there there have been a number of things that I've I've learned here at the church. And I think for me, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that is constantly learning. And so, and I learn best with mentors. And so I took my life and broke it up into different areas. Like um, I have a mentor for marriage and family. So I meet, I talk with him once a month and I talk, tell him about my marriage and I tell him about my kids and I ask him, you know, what should I do? What did you do? He's somebody that I looked up to when I was in seminary and he agreed uh, to, to talk with me once a month. I have a, I have a couple. Uh, I, I don't feel like I'm a very good leader. And so when it comes to like, a, like leading this church, and so I have a couple mentors when it comes to leadership questions that I will, I'll reach out to and I'll ask, um, I'll ask advice about things. Um, and, and it's funny, there's a there's a, a man here, a pastor, a pastor for 30 years. He said to me, I want to be your pastor, so call me anytime. And and so I just set a reminder on my phone every three months, call him and set up a meeting. And he nice. said to me the other day, John, I say that dozens of times a year to guys, and you're the only guy that is picking me up on it. Wow. And I said to him, you, you know more about pastoral ministry. You forgot more than I, than I know. Mm-hmm. And I said, and so I have, I have mentors for leadership and then I'm getting a doctorate in preaching. So I just, I want to be better able to serve my, the, the people that God is, has given me. Um, and so I, I, I want to get better. I, and so I would encourage guys, we, we often try to, to do things on our own. We mm-hmm. think that we're supposed to to be the uber competent. We, we're supposed to know it all. We're supposed to have all the answers. And when people see that you have mentors, that you you think you know the answers, but you bounce those answers off of men who are 
farther along and more knowledgeable than you are, it not only humbles you, which, which you need, mm-hmm. but it, it also helps you avoid mistakes. I think a lot of the reason why this church has turned around is because I've reached out to a dozen guys to answer, to ask question, every question I have. I've got a dozen guys that I'm going to call and say, hey, can you help me with this? I'm thinking about this. What would you do? Um, and, and not only that, but it shows your team. It, it not only mentors your team, but it shows your team that you're humble, that, you, that you're not trying to be all things, but you, you recognize that the body concept of 1 Corinthians 12 show, and, and the plurality of eldership concept shows that you're not supposed to be uber competent that you mm-hmm. need other people in your life. And the more you can reach out to other men and, uh, and, and, and get answers to your questions when you're a pastor, the, the better it is. And sometimes that means getting to know the guys down the street from you who um, maybe they're Lutheran, so they don't believe uh, baptism like you do, or maybe they're Pentecostal, so they don't believe the gift kind of the way that you do and complementarianism in the way that you do but you know you're going to be in heaven together with them and they mm-hmm. have strengths that you don't. And so I get to know the pastors in this area. I fellowship with them. I, I ask them questions like you do. I ask them questions. What's your best practice? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? How are you doing that? How did, what, you know, because I, 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 I want to better serve this church and I know that I'm better if I can get input from other people. And so I'd encourage pastors to do that. And really, it's not just pastors. I would encourage single people to do that with people that they see that are married, that are like, that is a marriage that I hope mine is like someday. Go take those people out to lunch. If it's parenting, look at the way that they parent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get to know those parents. Ask them what they do. Mm-hmm. Men in the church, you see other men. Like, like having that as a part of your 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 heart that I just want to get better and I'm seeing the people in my life who are better than me and rather than seeing them as a threat I'm going to see them as a mentor I think just goes Amen. a long long way to helping bless not only your life but if you're a pastor blessing the ministry that God has given you yes sir uh, amen to that brother all the way I totally believe in that that is awesome and and what kept coming up in my mind when you're saying that uh, I think it's Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Um, you know, plans fail with lack of counsel, but uh, with advisors they succeed. You know, we we make plans if we don't have you know people in our lives uh, helping us. I have I have a team uh, that you know about this podcast. Certain people that I reach out to with decisions and uh, things like that. So yeah, that that is solid, solid man, John. Listen, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, definitely uh, encouraged me and blessed me. So I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that. To the bar listeners, appreciate you guys tuning in to the bar podcast, your favorite podcast coming on every Tuesday by God's grace. And make sure you check out everything we have on the bar podcast network. Make sure you go to the bargear.com, pick up some bar gear. We got hats, beanies, hoodies, uh, mugs. We got some nice uh, coffee mugs off of all the coffee drinkers. We got Bar Podcast, everything right now. So go to thebargear.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, The Bar Podcast, Instagram, and Twitter, The Bar underscore podcast. And God bless you guys. Until next time, we are out.
What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get an invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the vip inside the bar group and we'll see you there